Hi, this is Angie, host of the Nature Nurtured podcast. I have found that when I head outdoors with something on my mind and talk it out to the great wide world, spirit listens and often offers some pretty great advice. I invite you to join me today. We can move our bodies, soak in the amazingness of mama nature, and maybe even experience a little healing. My hope is that you take this conversation, find your own truths, remember who you are, and take that next leap on your own healing journey. Hello everyone, this is Angie, host of the Nature Nurtured podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today for this discussion about the solar plexus chakra. But before we get into that, I just wanted to say I am currently walking in the wooded area by my house. I haven't been down here since mm, probably early May because it gets so overgrown and full of ticks and, you know, I can't see if there's snakes. I surely don't want to step on anything that I'm not aware of being there. And my husband, Nathan, mowed the paths for me today. He put the attachment on the skid loader and spent most of his afternoon mowing trails down here for me and then also just in the pasture in general he has some places he mows around the pond dams and uh, just some other places along the fence lines and he enjoys doing it and I am so appreciative to him for or for him for doing this for me I love it so much it feels so so good to be back amongst the trees And even just walking in the pasture where he's mowed the path around the trees and kind of around the fence line property, it just, I don't know, it reminds me, I think, a little bit of uh, cross-country season because I I ran cross-country in high school and I, it does give the vibe. I mean, obviously this time of year is definitely cross-country season. In fact, we did go to my youngest son's first ever cross-country meet yesterday and that was it was it was just so fun and you know I was a very serious cross-country runner I loved the sport I loved to run since I was a little kid Uh, my parents enjoyed running and so they had kind of passed that love down to me at an early age and I I've talked about that before I kind of had an unhealthy relationship with running for a while but it really has always been in my heart just this way I think to connect with nature so I am loving this cross-country vibe that I have on my own property I loved going to the meet yesterday and watching the kids you know just be present in their bodies and have you know just do that physical activity and be present and mindful as they are running and competing and pushing themselves and it's just it was just so fun and it was fun to watch him even though running is not a love to him like it is for me I I do think that I kind of see this in him where he doesn't ever complain about going to practice and he he seemed to enjoy the meet yesterday I mean of course he said that you know he was tired and that it was hard and But he said it with a smile. And I think that as a mom, just watching your kid kind of enjoy something that you also enjoyed. And in a way that's like, you know what, it doesn't really matter 
the success he has in it other than I think he's noticing like, hey, I got better. I'm able to run longer. I didn't have to stop and walk. I was able to push myself and still make it. And just watching him kind of be able to spend that time and be kind of present in his body, enjoy pushing it a little bit and just kind of exploring who he is in this way. I I don't know. It just made me really proud of him to that. He tried something that he wasn't sure about that. He didn't really know if he would like, and that he's connecting with it in a way that's like, I know this is healthy for my body. He's type one diabetic. So we talk about, you know, healthy ways to kind of keep that blood sugar in a healthy balance, exercise and, and eating foods that aren't super sugary, carby, those are kind of the things that he knows that he needs to do. And the eating is, it, it can be kind of tricky. Um, and so we do try to also encourage the movement. And so that was kind of the push to run cross country. And he just, I just am so proud of him for being open to it and for having a good attitude about it, never complaining. And I don't know. I just, I love this time of year where it is this cross country season. I enjoy watching other kids, you know, other people's kids compete. And it was just fun to have one of my own back on the course again. That didn't give me a bunch of attitude. Um, the other two also tried cross country in middle school, mostly because they didn't like the other sports offered. And so it's like, well, you need to do something to be physically active because once they get into those middle school years, they're not having PE every day. They are not having recess. So they really don't have a lot of chance for getting out and moving their bodies. And so I always say, you know, you need to do something. It's good for you physically. It's good for you socially. Let's try it. If you don't like it, you know, as you get into high school, if you can find another option, that's fine. And my daughter found golf. Um, my oldest son, he did run on into his sophomore year. And then I finally relented junior year and was like, you know what? You're almost an adult. If you are still telling me that you don't enjoy running, okay. And then he was taking a weights and PE class in high school. So he was getting physical activity. And he is so athletic and active that I wasn't really so much worried about him in that way anyway. Because he just was would always find a way to be moving anyway. So, um, so yeah, I guess just... Uh, but they, they always gave me a lot of... Uh, pushback on this. I don't like to run. They were just kind of grumpy about the meets and just running in general. So it was kind of fun to have my youngest um, kind of, I mean, he would never probably admit to like, I love this and I'm embracing this mom. But so these are my words, but he seems to have kind of, I think, I think he understands why I enjoy it. Even though he's not as serious about it, and isn't trying to like push himself in like in quite the way that I did. I do sense about him that he understands it's about personal growth and that it does give him a chance to kind of be in his body and not like lost up in his head. So I feel like that's a win for for me and for him. So anyway, all of that to say, I'm enjoying this time outside today. I am so excited to be back amongst the trees, back walking the the mowed paths in the pasture. It just, I don't know. I cannot even put into words like how full that makes my heart. So I just wanted to share that with you today. And I hope that you all also have had a beautiful Labor Day weekend where you've had a chance to do 
something that you love to do, something that you love to do outside, all of the above. Um, I've also enjoyed today just hanging clothes on the line, knowing that that season for me is kind of going to be coming to an end. Not that I can't hang out clothes in the winter time, but it's they don't dry as fast. It makes my fingers cold to hang out the wet clothes. The wind just seems to be like unrelentingly from the north in the winter. It just blows so hard and it's just such a fight that it's not enjoyable anymore. If I had to do it, I would, but it it just loses its joy a little bit when it's just miserable to do it. So I know that really probably by the end of October, the hanging clothes on the line season will have ended until spring. So it was just this beautiful late summer day here today. I just, it was kind of the low to mid eighties. The humidity is low, which is amazing because it's hardly ever low here. Um, and just this light North breeze, it's just been gorgeous sunshine with some, you know, puffy white clouds. It's just, it's really been a gorgeous, gorgeous day. So I hope wherever you live, you've had a chance to enjoy being outside. I hope the weather has cooperated with you all as well and that you've been able to take advantage of that. So enough about my personal weekend life, I guess this weekend. Um, Moving on into the topic for today, the solar plexus. So this is the third chakra episode that I've had. I talked about the root chakra and the sacral chakra earlier this year. If you have not listened to those, they are really, they are worth a listen. You don't necessarily have to listen to them in order. Um, There might be some value in that, but really, I guess, ultimately, it doesn't matter. You can bounce around. So I would encourage you to listen to those because really, they, I kind of mentioned today that the first two do kind of build into into this third chakra. And I, I mentioned that in the root being about boundaries. But what I did not say, and listening back to the episode, I, I was like, oh, Angie, you didn't really say exactly everything about that root chakra when I was talking about it. Yes, I mentioned the, the good having good boundaries, but also that's where your safety is and like your basic needs being met are. And so if your basic needs aren't met, if you don't feel safe, if you don't feel like you have choices, if you don't feel like you have agency over your own being, if you don't know how to put up boundaries and kind of take care of yourself, um, and then moving into the sacral chakra, if you have a hard time feeling your feelings, experiencing joy, experiencing really like feeling all of the sensations that we can experience through our five senses of being in this human body and understanding what you like and what you don't like and just being able to make choices based on that, um, then it's really hard to have a healthy uh, solar plexus as well. And And I get into that in the episode and I will talk about why, but I really was focused on the boundaries for some reason when I was talking about the root chakra. So I did want to also remind you if you haven't listened to that root episode, that it really is also about, about the safety and the agency over your body and making choices for yourself as well. And just being able to care for yourself and not depend on others to do so. So, um, also, Okay, so 
when I talked about when I talk about the solar plexus later on in this episode, I mentioned that there's like this body physique that kind of is indicative of somebody whose solar plexus is unbalanced, like it's overly aggressive. Um, and I, I mentioned that this body type is one, and I, I say the, a male with kind of that hard kind of pot belly physique. And I hope that that is not offensive. When I re-listened to it, I thought, oh, Angie, uh, I, I don't ever want to shame anybody for how their body looks. Um, there's all kinds of reasons for why we are the shape we are. You know, it's it has to do with DNA. It has to do with our lifestyle choices. It does have to do with our energy. I do feel that um, it, it does, energy does play a role in it for sure. Um, but I didn't want to like body shame anybody. And I, and I realized when I talked about that, that that was, that it didn't come off exactly the way I meant that. And I'm not judging, or I'm not meaning to sound like I am judging the way anybody's body looks, whether it's due to energy stagnation or not. So it just is, it just is what it is, I guess, and I was just trying to bring an awareness to if this is something you see in someone or you see in yourself, that that just is, it could be pointing to that there is energy stuck there because we do carry excess on our body sometimes where there is stagnancy. Like I have stagnancy in my sacral chakra and so I do carry a little bit extra around my hip area and... um in my lower abdomen sometimes. And I, and I do think it's because there's just that stag, there's that stagnant energy there. So I am not singling others out before I point the finger right back at myself. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that a little bit and that was not meant to be shaming anyone. It was just a way to observe how, again, the inner, the energetic can affect the physical appearance, the physical in general, you know, as we have these human bodies, they are affected. So I just wanted to clarify that. And also I've caught myself in several episodes, whether it's, I think sometimes in the, the episodes where I talk about my grandparents. And then I feel like in this um, episode as well, I really, I've mentioned the, um, like unbalanced, unhealthy, male energy. And when I talk about that male energy, I'm not talking about men or males in general. What I mean by that when I talk about male energy, whether I'm talking about being healthy or unhealthy, balanced or unbalanced, we all carry masculine and feminine energy within ourselves. We maybe tend to lean more one way or the other, um, despite whatever our gender, our bodies tell us that we are however we are born with whatever parts we are born with that is not indicative of the energy that we carry within in that way I know I just said that it can be but in the in terms of gender just because you are born with the anatomy of a female does not mean that you don't carry male energy within you and sometimes you may carry more male energy, like you may lean more in the male energy realm than the fem- than the female, the feminine. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's just how we are designed. And not everyone is going to be perfectly 50-50 male-female energy. Some people are, and that's why sometimes people maybe don't identify with either gender, really. They have been assigned a, a gender at birth, 
physically how they how they were born. But you know, I think there's something to be said for sometimes why we may feel more strongly one way or the other or we just kind of feel like we're pretty neutral. And it it all comes back to the energetics. But what I was meaning to actually focus on in saying that is is that I I do kind of tend to get on the kick of kind of getting after um, that unhealthy male energy. And I just wanted to make sure that I clarified that I was not just male bashing. It kind of sounds that way sometimes. And I've really had to catch myself in that. And that's a, a wounding in me that I'm working on. And when I talk about my last grandparent, my paternal grandfather, I'm really going to use that episode to focus on what healthy, balanced male energy looks like and really kind of try to put a lot of focus on that because I feel like I've done a really good job focusing on the feminine. But I think, and he is a really, really good example. And today that just kind of came to me because I've been trying to think like what, what I was going to talk about with him because that will be coming up later on this fall, even though his birthday is in February, I didn't get this idea till afterwards. So um, anyway, I am going to make space for him before the end of the year. And I, it just came to me like, yeah, use talk, talk about that healthy male energy, Angie, you haven't really hit on what that is and how, how wonderful it is. And really focus on that. We, we talk a lot about what's unhealthy, but what is healthy. And he was such a prime example of that. I don't know why this didn't come to me earlier, but it came to me today. And so that is coming in the future. So I will cover this in depth soon and using the lens of my paternal grandfather. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there. But for right now, I just wanted to mention that when I talk about this unhealthy masculine male energy, it's not to point fingers and to blame. It sounds like that coming out of me sometimes, and I don't mean it that way, because that has become an issue in usually in men, but sometimes in women too. But mostly I'm thinking about in actual like um, male humans on this planet because they were supposed to be, they were taught at young ages and all throughout most of history, history that they are supposed to be the head of the family. They are supposed to be in charge. They are supposed to be dominant and to be anything but those things would be to be weak and to be a sissy. They would be considered feminine and it it was looked down upon. So even if they did not, maybe that they were, maybe their energy in general was to be um, more of the receptive, softer, more gentle energy, the more feminine energy, more creative um just, yeah, kind of they embodied that, but it was forced on them to be this other way, this more aggressive, dominant, in charge personality, and it was not natural for them. And so that can cause damage and trauma in itself. And so when it's expected for men to act a certain way, to be manly over all of those centuries, 
It's just embedded in them from the time that they are little tiny boys. You don't cry. You don't show your feelings. You are in charge. You do not need, you are not to be weak. You know, whether that's physically or mentally. That, that in itself, that message can cause this unhealthy behavior to be a thing. So it is not their fault when they act this way. It is probably inherited trauma of some kind. It is something that was taught to them by a parent who had it taught to them by their parent, who had it taught to them by their parent. It is a cyclical, long, enduring thing. And to break that is not an easy thing. And so that's why I do want to spend a whole episode talking about that and how we can kind of embrace that healthy male energy and what it looks like. But I did want to mention, because I kind of harp on that a lot, I I did want to say that I understand why it is the way it is. I understand why there is an unhealthy male energy, whether it is in a woman or in a man. It is how we're programmed. It is how we're trying to overcome something that we're not. It is, it is how we hide our secret of not being comfortable with who we are sometimes. So I did want to hit on that. So, okay. I think that was all that I wanted to cover as far as things that maybe I left out or wanted to explain further. Other than that, I did just want to um, say thank you to those who are leaving reviews and ratings. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, for those who who are frequent listeners but maybe have not actually followed the show, uh, please do that if you if you want. It it helps me. Um, it helps other people find me, I guess I would say same thing with the ratings, same thing with the reviews. I know that when I am looking for a new podcast to listen to, I do look at their ratings. I do read the reviews that people leave. And sometimes that helps me. I mean, if it doesn't, if it's not positive stuff, I'm not going to probably give it a listen. So it does help. If you have benefited from listening to this podcast in any way, if you have a second, please do um, review or you don't have to write a review if you don't want to. But if you can, you know, hit that five star rating, that would be awesome. If you could follow the show, that would be awesome. If you have a few seconds extra and you do want to leave a review, I really do appreciate that as well because I use those. I know that people do appreciate reading them. Um, and yeah, it just helps me reach more people. That's that's it. So um, yeah. So I just want to say thank you to those who have done that and encourage those who haven't that if they if they thought about it and just haven't done it, please, please go and do it. Um, and then I think, I think that was pretty much, I think that was it. So, okay, I guess, because um, here I have talked another over 20 minutes into this intro and I always think, oh, I just need to hop on for like five minutes and, and then we can just get into the main part of the episode. But nope, here I have been 
chatting away. So I will wrap it up and let you just um, get right in to the episode today. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it helps. Um, I do think that these chakra episodes can be helpful in so many ways. And please, please share this with a friend. If you feel like it would be helpful to somebody that you know, let them know that you've listened and that you found it helpful and, and that maybe they would too, or whatever. I would, I would really appreciate that. And I think it's just another way that we can help people. And I think we're all in need of, uh, in need of a little bit of love and help, you know, life's hard. So I just wanted to say that. And also these always have a meditation that go with them. And I know if you're like, I really just don't have time. I'm not really a meditation person. I can't meditate right. Yes, you can. I promise that you can meditate correctly. It just takes practice. Just like you didn't ride your bike the first time without falling off. Probably you didn't walk the first time without falling down. It takes, there's a learning curve and you're not doing it wrong. It just will, it's just uncomfortable until you have done it a few times. And so I do encourage you to try to try to do the meditation that goes with the chakra episodes. Um, I give those to you just in a, as a way to kind of help balance and nourish and just support you as you work through the things that I mentioned in the episode. Um, if it is a problem area for you, and even if it's not, um, even if you feel like you're pretty balanced and healthy in that way, this just offers additional support. Um, I don't think we could ever have too much support in these energy centers. I think uh, there's always room to bring healing in, even if you may not be aware of it. I do try to keep them within about 10 minutes or less so that they are easy and doable. They are guided so that you don't have to just be there in silence. I, I give you things to focus on, um, affirmations to repeat, and things to concentrate on so that you aren't left just wandering. And you know what? If you find that your mind wanders during the meditation, that's okay. It's okay. Mine does too. So when I do meditations, I sometimes, I start to, my mind starts to wander too. And you just bring it back and focus on what, what, they're, what I am saying or whatever the person is saying at that time. You just pick up right there and continue on. And the more you do it, the less your mind will wander on, on days where you're, um, sometimes a little bit more focused, it will be less, but the more you practice it, the easier it is to drop into that meditative state and really stay in that moment and get the benefit out of the meditation. But you will get benefit no matter if you are focused for two minutes or 10 uh, you will get something out of it, I promise. So I do offer those just as a way to add additional support to that energy center for you. So please, please take advantage of those. I promise, even if you think you can't meditate, you can. So, okay, without any further um, distractions or rabbit holes or tangents, I will stop and... Uh, just say that I hope you enjoy the episode. Today we are going to focus on the solar plexus chakra. And this chakra is really the energy center where you will find your power, your will, and your self-esteem. And this chakra is located kind of at the right below 
your sternum, like at the top of your rib cage, where it kind of comes to a point, that's where this energy center is located. And so, and it also, it controls the intake and outflow of the energy when we interact with other people. So as you're standing, talking to someone, your solar plexus and theirs, there's this energy flow between. And it's like, you're outputting like, hey, this is who I am. This is what my energy is. And you are receiving what theirs is. And so it's like they talk to each other. And, and that's what, but we're very prone as human beings to protecting the center. We want to cross our arms across our across that area. I would say across the chest, but really it's kind of that place between the chest and the stomach. We want to hold our, we want to cross our arms right there. And that is right where that energy center is. And, and I think we just innately do this to protect our energy and we don't realize that's why we're doing it. But I think it is just a very natural thing for humans to do. I'm sure we've done it since time began and we still do it all these hundreds and thousands of years later. So I think that's very interesting that that has stayed. It's really, I mean, I think we probably do other things to protect the other chakras, but that is a very prominent thing that we do to protect our energy is just cross our arms over that place kind of where your chest and your stomach meet. So that's where it's located. Um, Yeah. So the solar plexus When I think of that, I do think of power and like our own personal power. And this is the, in this center is how, how balanced it is really is, it, it indicates how well you are able to kind of be in your own power rather than giving your power away to someone else. And I think this is very interesting to think about as far as when you think about women in history, because it has not been that long. I mean, not even a hundred years that there has been a different mentality than the mentality of the woman's place is in the home. The woman's place is to defer to the men in her life to make decisions for her. They know what's best, better than she does. And been kind of treated as this, we don't really know what to do in life. We need guidance and help. Um, Throughout history, I mean, it's, it's really not been that long ago that women have, as a whole, been able to come into their own power. And even today, I think you see when women are very comfortable in their own, in their own personal power, there are people who have a problem with this. I mean, I don't want to just say it's just men because sometimes it's women too. We feel threatened by each other. And I don't know if it's that you see some women, they react to women who are very much in their own power. And if that person is not, it's like this, I wish I was, and so I'm going to tear you down because you are, and that will make me feel better. I want to bring you down to my level. I mean, I think that's kind of human nature to want to do that. Unfortunately, we do it with each other. So I think in women, that's what it is. If we, if we sense a powerful woman around us and we don't feel like we are, then our instinct is to kind of, oh, well, she, 
she's a bitch or whatever. I mean, I think that's the title. That's the title we give women who are in their power and who are very kind of independent and comfortable just moving through life in a way that some still struggle. And that's not a bad, I mean, if you feel like, yeah, I'm one of those that are struggling, that's okay. Because you know what, this whole thing of awareness is, that's why I talk about this. And it's not to make people feel bad. Because I had those tendencies too to still want to give my power away. And I think men look at powerful women as a threat. And of course, you know, if they are in an unhealthy place in their own sense of who they are, they feel threatened by this powerful female. They too want to kind of tear her down. And I, I when I think of power, that's what I first thought of was this feeling of how women have not been able to be in their power for centuries and centuries, for millennia, really. It was this, you don't get to make choices about yourself. Unless it's about the household and the duties there. Sorry. I mean, for how many centuries were there arranged marriages? And I think those still go on in some places in the world today. And, you know, and not just that, just you... You don't need a higher education. You're just going to stay home and have babies and take care of the house. So just really, there was this emphasis on keeping women small, keeping their world very small, because for them to have ideas and to speak for themselves would really have been a problem for the men in society. So it's really just recently that women have been able to kind of come into their own and assert themselves in this way. And I think it's a bumpy road when we're first learning to do this. So sometimes I think we've had the tendency to kind of like overdo it. It's like you so badly, you are, it's, we had centuries of feeling like we had to be suppressed. And this is in our DNA. This is like, this is so subconscious. It's not even that we're choosing this, this, and I'm not even saying that women, centuries ago didn't feel like they were powerful within themselves. They just couldn't show it. And maybe they, maybe the men in their life did let them, but as a whole of society, we were as women pretty, pretty tamped down. So it's not that they didn't have some fire and some spunk and some spice in them. They absolutely did because here we are, we survived. We survived all of those centuries of being suppressed we wouldn't have if we didn't have that personal power in there. It just wasn't allowed to come out in a healthy, balanced way in society. And I think because of that, as we've kind of been able to, as that kind of lid has been taken off and we've been able to come into the world and um, kind of be our own and not have to depend on men for anything, it's it's been a little bit of a bumpy road trying to figure out how how to find that power in a healthy, balanced way where it's not a push and it's not unbalanced in like almost like a too much way. Because that's what, I mean, I think women get told a lot that they're too much. And I think it's, it's not that we're too much. It's just, we're, we're trying to figure out how to balance all of this after centuries of not being able to. I hope that made sense. And we're getting really good at it, I feel like. But I do feel like the, what I was carrying 
within me in the, the, the things I had within my solar plexus that was stagnant and blocked and just where I was having issues with self-esteem and self-worth. I don't think those things were something that just I was experiencing. I think that didn't come from just my experience as Angie on planet earth this life. I think that was ancestral things that I was carrying. I think that was probably stuff from other lives. You know, if I'd been a woman, you know, a lot of times and in a lot of different times in history, it's, it does make a mark. And I think, you know, on the soul level, we know, and we, we are able to heal it, but then we jump back into a human body and there it is. It, it follows us until we can kind of learn to release that. And I think we choose that. I think that we, we want to come back in as a human and, and move through it in that way. It's harder, but it, I think it sticks longer. I think if we can move through it as humans and we won't see it coming back with us again. So that was a long kind of take on how I feel like this this power, this sense of power, this self empowerment in, in this place in our body, how that has been for women. And I think in, in men, we see it, uh, it is, I don't want to speak all men because there are lots and lots of men that have very balanced solar plexus energy centers. But if you see, and this is, something that I heard and I cannot quote the source. I don't remember where I read this or heard this, but when you see men that have those kind of like really bigger, hard kind of, um, pot belly shapes in their stomachs. I mean, yes, that can definitely come from, um, not making great food choices, but that also, it's also believed that that energy center there in that because they hold they hold so much mass right there that that energy center was like overly big. Like it was, it's functioning in a way that's very much asserting power over everybody, not just their own personal power. So when you see those people, and I guess it doesn't just have to be men, but I, it just, that's what comes to mind is those bigger, those bigger bellies it's, it's not always just what they chose to eat. It's how they assert their power. And it just, it kind of creates this, this largeness in mass. I mean, it's, it, that's, it's excess. Their energy is excess and therefore their body is also excess right there where that, that energy flows. So I don't know, take it for what it's worth. I, I cannot remember the source on that, but I did... I did hear that at one point and it kind of makes, I mean, that's kind of a blanket statement. I'm sure there are men who have, um, bigger tummies that aren't, you know, being assholes to people and exerting their power over them and kind of being ruthless and power hungry. I'm sure that there are people that have that body shape that are very kind, loving, balanced individuals, but I, I guarantee the people who... I don't, I don't want to say I guarantee, but I would love to see the percentage on that. Those who kind of have that and like how they're, how they treat people in terms of asserting their power over them. So anyway, 
Um, also, in terms of power, I think learning, and this is, again, kind of a thing that women, I think, are really starting to come into and learn on their own, is we learning to not give our power away and be able to make decisions for ourselves and for our own bodies as well. I think that just having agency over our person is something that we've really started to come into. So this is a very personal power and not feeling like we have to ask everybody else what we should do in a situation. I think when we can learn to look within and really sit with it, like gather our information. Yes, it's okay. It's okay to ask opinions. It's okay to do some research on something and try to figure out what's best for you. It's okay to hear lots of different opinions. I think that's the key too, is to when you are looking for answers outside of yourself, looking at a lot of different choices, bringing them within you, sitting with those choices and kind of checking in and seeing what feels good for you. Because what feels good for you might not be what feels good for your best friend or for your partner. It's We all have different ways that we resonate with things in life. And so I think when we can learn to really sit with our choices and decide for ourselves ultimately, like I said, it's okay to ask, it's okay to research, but then ultimately sitting with those options and really making that choice based on what you feel like checking in. And I, I know I've talked about this in, a, in another episode, but I think it's been long enough ago where I can, I can repeat this one. This is called discernment and how you can learn to feel that in your body. If you're not really sure, like if you're, if you aren't sure how to sit with options and kind of see what feels good and what doesn't, here's a, a way that you can practice this. So think of something that something or someone that you really love and really get that person or thing in your mind's eye, see it or see them right in front of you and just feel in your body how much you love it or them. Just really feel into your heart space, into your gut, like how much love there is there. And then once you really are feeling that, Tell yourself that you don't love that and you don't want it and you never want to see it again and you want nothing to do with it. And that feeling in your body, that kind of adverse reaction you get to saying that you hate something and that you don't want something that you know you love so much, that kind of gross feeling that you get inside, that feeling that's like, I don't know, it's like um, this friction that you feel or this feeling that's like, no, no that's your no. That's discernment. That's how you can determine what is for you and what is not for you. And sometimes it's not really loud because if it's not something you really feel super strongly about, like this person or thing that you really love, you're not going to get such a loud no. You might have to just sit with it and really listen, but your body will tell you. You'll, You'll feel a no. If you'll feel that kind of friction feeling that kind of a gross that's not the best word but it's just like this you'll it'll be the it'll be the no and when you feel 
a yes, it's going to feel like how you felt when you really loved that thing. That's when it's in alignment with you is when it, it feels like your heart gets really full. That's a yes. So I think learning that and, and, lear- and practicing doing that with little things so that we, you know, that we can get kind of, we can get good at that and we can get some experience with those feelings when it's not such a big deal. That will help us when it gets to be those big deal things that we really do need to sit with and check in with ourselves with. So that's my, I, I know I've talked about that before, but this is just another little recap on really, really looking within yourself to make your own decisions after you've kind of done your research and gotten opinions from others that you really, really are your own best decision maker, I guess. You don't need somebody else. You don't need somebody else to tell you what to do. Taking that power back, it's so important. And it's it's so important in, in keeping that energy center balanced. It's when, and that's how you know, you know that you're balanced when you can do that. If you struggle with that, it's probably an area you do need to work on and, and you, there is an imbalance. So I think, I think learning to trust ourselves, learning to really trust how we discern in life. And I think too, it's like when we are in our own personal power, we don't need people to praise us all the time. We don't need that constant pat on the back. We don't need to just hear this ongoing praise from other people. We know we do a good job. We acknowledge that within ourselves and we move on. And it's not to say that those things don't feel good. That It, do- it does. It feels really nice when people acknowledge when you've done something great. It does feel good. That's human. That's our human ego. And that's a part of us that is with us. And it's going to be with us. And so, of course, it feels good. Of course it does. But not to count on that to feel good about yourself. It's like a bonus when other people notice. And when you get praise from the outside world. That's a bonus. It should not be something that we depend on to feel good about ourselves. So that's all, you know, that's another thing to check in with that, that solar plexus is how is that with you? Like, and I've done a lot, a lot of checking in with that recently with myself, even just around this, my, my practice, my, um, you know, when I post things on social media, when I put these podcasts out, I, I've really, really had to do some some deep soul searching on how this all lands in my body. And am I okay with doing these things, posting, putting out episodes, um, working with people within my healing practice? Am I, do I feel within, in my power and feel really good about myself just by doing these things? Or do I need that outside praise? And and as outside praise, I mean, do I need the likes? Do I need the, 
comments on social media? Do I need the positive feedback from clients? Do I need the reviews and the ratings and the numbers of people listening to my episode to be high? Like, do am I focused on the external or am I able to really just stay focused on the internal? And I've, I really feel confident in saying that I, I would say for the most part, I really feel good in, in the content that I'm putting out and that's, and, and it's very internal. I'm good with it. But then I got to thinking how, so what would I feel like? That's really easy to say right now when everything's fairly small and I don't have, I, I don't have a lot. I mean, I have positive feedback externally, but it's not like I'm, that everything's blown up really big and I, and there's huge numbers and there's lots of comments and there's lots of likes and there's lots of, I don't, there's not a ton of just this constant praise and positive feedback with everything. It's not like on like what a celebrity would have. Then I asked myself, so Angie, what if that ever happened? Then what? Would you still be able to just focus on the internal and do it, do what feels good for you and what you know is good? Or would you be distracted by the outward, by the external? And I don't know. I've, that's something I've really been sitting with this week. Like it's really easy to say, oh, I'm fine. Like this doesn't really matter. I'm doing it because it feels good for me and I'm learning and growing and I'm helping others along the way. And that's all that matters. It's really easy to say that when things are small, but what if things got big? Would I be able to keep things in perspective? So that's what I've been sitting with this week. And it's, it's, it's very interesting. So And I don't know. I mean, think about it in your own life. Like when you post things on social media, how many times are you checking to see if people said anything? Are you looking to see who commented, who liked it? How, you know, is, do you feel sad if not very many people seem to notice? I mean, those are definitely things to check in with. I check in with myself with that stuff all the time. And when I find myself wanting to be constantly concerned over that, that's a red flag for me. And I know that I need to ask myself, what do I need to give to myself that I'm looking for externally? Like what need am I needing met right now? And how can I do that for myself? Because we don't need other people to make us feel good about ourselves. That's a bonus. So that's, that's kind of how I regulate that and how I check in with that on my own, other than also just learning discernment learning that I, I have the ability to make my own choices and I don't need other people, you know, to, to tell me, you know, even as far as when I was first kind of starting to get into this spirituality realm, wanting to have readings all the time. I mean, I don't, I finally have learned that I don't need, yes, they're, they're great and they're fun and I enjoy doing them, but I don't need to have a constant feedback on what's going to happen and where am I, what's my path and where am I going? Like, I've learned that, like, I know that I have those answers. The pe- the things that the people were telling me, it wasn't anything I didn't already know. So I don't need to constantly outsource 
learning about myself either. So, okay, let's move on to will. So I had to think about this. I'm like, what does that even really mean, will, if a person's will? And it really comes down to, I think it's what I found in one of these books that I talked about earlier in this episode. It's will is consciously controlled change. And really, will is like when you, you may not feel like doing something. You may not feel like making the healthy food choices. You may not feel like exercising. You may not feel like um, going to bed on time because there's other more fun and exciting things to do. Maybe you want to stay up and read or you want to um, go out with friends or whatever it is. Um, maybe you don't want to get up and go to work. Maybe you don't want to, I don't know, the list goes on. You don't want to, you don't feel like cleaning the house. You don't feel like mowing the grass. There's all kinds of things that we as humans are like, I do not feel like doing that. And I think what will is, is looking beyond the instantaneous response to the thing. Like we may not feel like it. Being able to look bigger picture than that moment and how we feel right then. And look out at the kind of the bird's eye view of the situation. And it's like, well... I may not feel like eating healthy right now or exercising right now, but big picture, I'm not going to feel like feeling like crap either. I'm not going to feel like having achy joints later. I'm not going to feel like carrying extra weight if I don't have to. I'm not going to feel like having my clothes feel tight. I'm not going to feel like not having very much energy. So I think being able to come out of the, the moment right now and look out. Like, for example, when I talked about the, I don't feel like mowing the grass. I don't feel like cleaning the house. You may not feel like it right now, but do you feel like sitting in a messy, chaotic environment? Do you feel like looking at your overgrown yard for months on end? Do you, and then not feeling like going to work, do you feel like not having... I mean, okay, so the repercussions of, well, I don't feel like going to work. But if you don't go to work, then do you feel like not having money to pay your bills? Do you feel like not feeling like you're helping out in society, contributing? So I think we get really caught up in the right now. And I think this is especially true when we we have a lot going on and we feel overwhelmed because life is so intense because we are a very busy, fast-paced society. I think there we experience a lot more of these I don't feel like it moments because we're stretched so thin. So I think when we can give ourselves some more space and maybe if we can cut back on some responsibilities, find some places to say no so that we can say yes to what we want to do, then this I don't feel like it isn't going to come up as much because if we're able to take care of ourselves and make time in a reasonable way to do things that we like and that feel good for us and to have some time to feel like we can just breathe for a minute and not have people tugging on us in places that we need to be, we're going to have a lot more bandwidth to 
not have this um, adverse feeling to everything. You know, we're going to start to find that we don't have that, I don't feel like it response to things that are really not that big of a deal. You know, I think the busier we are, the more hectic our life is, the more we almost want to have that toddler tantrum of, I don't feel like it. In my life, that's what I have found anyway. When I felt stretched too thin, that's when I, that was rearing its head all the time. And I had to look at that and I had to ask myself, why? Why do you, why do you have this reaction? Why are you bucking everything right now? Why does everything feel like you don't want to do it? And the answer was because I don't feel like my needs are being met. I don't feel like I'm being taken care of. And that's this whole thing of if our cup is empty, then we're going to not feel like it all the time because we don't. We don't have anything to give because we don't have any, our battery isn't charged. Our cup isn't full. And so we're not going to feel like it, if that makes sense. So I really do think our will is very much based on how much space we allow ourselves And I think also that comes with, so will is also, we don't always, we don't always like the choices in front of us. Sometimes, you know, we may have several choices of things and none of them sound good, you know, or, or there's something that's happened in life and we don't, and, and we don't like it. It doesn't feel good. It makes us angry. It makes us frustrated. It makes us sad. It was beyond our control and it happened. And I think will is when we can find the smaller choices within the other choices or within our circumstances. Because we can choose how we respond. We can't always choose the things that happen. But we can choose our response to those things. We don't have to be victim to our circumstances. We don't have to feel like life is happening to us all the time. Why are these things always happening to me? We can flip that around and look for, okay, this is happening. And if you really want to dig and you want to say, this is happening for me, this is not an accident. This has been placed in front of me. I don't like it. I don't understand it. I don't see how in the hell this thing is a gift right now. I don't see why this had to happen. And once we've kind of moved through that, because there are situations where we're going to feel all of that first. But then once we are able to just kind of get into a centered place, then we can look and see, okay, this did happen. This, these are my choices. I don't like them. They don't make me feel great, but where can I find some smaller choices to focus on that do feel good? How can I make this better for me? So, and I'll give a personal example, and this is like not a big deal personal example, but right now my work situation, helping out with the family business. I don't love doing that. I don't feel like it's the best use of my skill set in life. Um, I have more, I, I tend to be drawn to more um, like a, a more of a career that would involve interacting with people in a, in a different way, more of a teaching healing way, not so much answering phones, scheduling appointments, 
typing invoices, paying, you know, doing the financial parts of, of the, of the job like that. I can do it. I don't love to do it, but that I keep every time I've tried to step away and step out away from that, I get pulled back in. And this has been ongoing for probably a year and a half, I would say. Um, And so because I keep getting pulled back to this situation, and I found that I was very frustrated. I was angry. I was frustrated. I felt like I was being boxed in. I felt like I was being stifled, like my hands were tied, like I didn't have a choice. Because ultimately, I mean, my choice is I could walk away, but... I, I just, and and it is a family business. I am part of this family. I am helping out and I would not, I, I would not just walk away without somebody else taking my spot. I, I just will not do that. So until we find someone to be able to step into this position, I feel like it, I feel like we haven't found anybody right now because I, because because I don't believe in accidents, I'm supposed to be right where I am right now. And I'm supposed to, there's something for me here. There's something for me to learn. There is something for me to experience. And that's what I've found. It, even though I felt like I, did, I didn't really have a choice in it, the choice I did make was to see what there is here for me. Because obviously I keep getting pulled back here every time I try to step away circumstances change and I, and I'm here. I am, I'm still right where I was. And there's, there's a learning opportunity. And then until I experience what I need to experience and learn what I need to learn from it, that person that I'm hoping for to come in and kind of take my spot so I can move along and do something else isn't going to show up. So that, that's how I chose to kind of reframe this situation. And I am choosing other things that I can do to kind of fulfill this need to like work with people in a, in a different way by podcasting, by posting on social media, by working with clients when I can, by taking care of myself in ways that feel good outside of work because my schedule is different. I've, I haven't had to do a full-time eight to five in a really long time. And being, you know, in this role where most people find themselves isn't a bad thing for me. It's a good thing. There's, there's something to be learned here. It's okay that I have to navigate all the things that most people (laughs) have to work through. It's okay. I think I need to experience it and see it and learn from it and learn to find magic in the mundane of life, to find joy in the little things. And I do, I will say, I appreciate the little things that I used to just take for granted so much more. So I think that's definitely something that has presented itself for me to be, to be learning. But I think there's more. I think there's more there. And I think until I experience it all, I will be right here. And that's okay. So now, because I've been able to look at that differently, it doesn't feel, I don't feel stifled anymore. I don't feel frustrated. I don't feel angry. 
it, it changed everything. When I could look at this situation as I'm choosing to stay here to learn. I'm choosing to stay here to experience things that I need to experience because obviously this is where I'm supposed to be because I keep coming back to it. And I'm going to stop fighting it because if I left this situation, I was going to, whatever it is I'm supposed to learn right now here, if I left too soon, I'm going to have to learn that same thing somewhere else. It's not just going to go away because I changed jobs. So I chose to stay and to get curious and to take care of myself in a way where I can be open to this. So anyway, that's when, when I think of will, that is kind of what pops up in my own personal life. Um, you know, and also, like I said earlier, just those things that like, I don't feel like it. Another thing that we could also look at with will is we need, when we do make choices in life, and I'm talking like all of our choices, big choices, little choices, in between choices, we need to kind of, if, if we can ask ourselves why, why are we making the choices that we make? And here's the things to ask yourself. Am I making this choice to please somebody else? Am I making this choice to be liked? Am I making this choice to keep the peace? Am I making this choice to avoid responsibility? Am I making this choice to remain invisible? Am I making this choice out of fear? Those are the things to check into when you're making your choices. Because, and those things are very real. There may be times where, yeah, you are making choices based on those things. But I think that those are the things that you need to look at closer. Because when we make choices, ultimately we need to make choices based on ourselves. And I know we have been so programmed to think that's selfish. But I promise you it is not. It is not. Because when you are able to make choices for yourself, even if it's going to make somebody else upset with you, as long as you are doing it with the intention of I need to take care of myself that's exactly what it will do. It will allow you to take care of yourself because, and when you can take care of yourself and really take care of yourself, you are going to be so much more available to help people in a so much bigger scale than if you were constantly making choices for the other reasons, if that makes sense. And I know it's hard. It's hard to see that we're so programmed to do for others before we do for ourselves. But I think if we can just all learn to take care of ourselves, it's just like when you're on an airplane and they say, put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on a child or someone that needs assistance. Because if you don't get that on yourself, you're not going to be able to help anybody. You're going to be able to help more people if you've got that oxygen going for you. And that is true and making choices in life too. And when you can make choices and kind of stand in your own power, you're going to be a healthier, more balanced human, and you're going to be able to help people on a much larger and broader scale than just what than if you just are people pleasing in the moment right now. And what's that doing for those people? When you're the constant yes person, 
when you're saying, when you're making choices to please or to be liked or to keep the peace or to uh, to avoid responsibility, those people that you were making choices to kind of protect, what's that teaching them? What lessons are they not able to learn in life and where are they stifling their growth because you are keeping them pacified by saying no to yourself and yes to them? That's been a hard one for me. That's something I've worked through too. And I'm still working through. I don't think that ever really goes away. I think it's human nature. We want to be liked. We want to make people happy. That feels good right now. But ultimately, I mean, I my biggest one I've learned is to not make choices on just keeping the peace. Sometimes, because that's going to keep coming up. You're going to keep getting bombarded with things that don't feel good but that you agree to just because you don't want to argue about it. And yes, pick your battles. Absolutely. You may not feel like getting into something right then and there, but watch that and watch how many times you defer because you want to avoid conflict. I spent 42 years doing that in all aspects of my life. And I still struggle with it. And I still sit with, okay, I could say what I really think right now and I can make a a choice that would be empowering to me right now. It's 10 o'clock at night. I don't know if I've got it in me and the clarity and the frame of mind to handle this right now. But moving forward, I'm watching for this and I will catch it and we will visit about this when I am in the right frame of mind. So, of course, you don't want to, you don't want to come at some, you know, you don't want to maybe assert this if you don't feel ready to stand your ground sometimes. So that's been, that's been a journey for me as well. And I don't know some, and sometimes for other people, it may be more of the avoiding responsibility or being liked or pleasing or out of fear or whatever it is. Um, I think everybody kind of has their poison. Everybody has their thing that they're, that gets them. So really look, really look at those choices that you make and ask yourself why why did I choose that so and then you'll just naturally become more aware of it and then you'll start making choices that are more for you I think awareness is just like I I always say it but awareness is is that first step into making a change okay let's move on to self-esteem I think this is a term that we all are very familiar with. And I think when I think of self-esteem, I think of those really difficult middle school years. And I have a middle schooler this year and I just kind of embracing myself for all of that. Um, I feel like that's, that's a time where self-esteem really can take a hit is in those kind of middle school, early high school kind of teenage years. And it's just... It can be it can be so hard. So, what I've gathered in my resources, this is what they kind of say about self esteem. It's it when self esteem is low, we doubt and we scold ourselves, and then this creates a stagnant energy that continues to feed that low self esteem, and then that lack of movement in this chakra eventually brings about the feelings of shame. And I had never thought about it that way. 
But so that feeling that we have in our bodies when we feel shame about something, that's a self-esteem related thing. That's stagnant energy where we have doubted and scolded ourselves and just created this continuous loop of I'm not good enough. I'm not whatever enough. And I think it just, yeah, it's, it's that, it's a very stagnant, low vibrational energy, that, that feeling of shame. So to kind of counterbalance that, good self-esteem or like this balanced feeling of having self-esteem comes from a realistic view of self. And so this starts in that first chakra, that, that root chakra, because that chakra, when it's balanced, it shows us how to have boundaries, and then the second chakra, that sacral chakra, that's where we can check in emotionally and check in with the happiness within ourselves. So boundaries, emotions, those things have to be in a good check and good balance. And if they are not, our self-esteem is not going to be either. So when our root and our sacral chakras are balanced. So when we have a good sense of boundaries and a good sense of like what, how, how we feel and what makes us happy, then we are going to take more risks. And I mean that in a positive way. Like we're going to try new things. We're going to reach out to new people and try to make new friends. We're going to try new activities and be okay with the fact that we might not be very good at it. And brush it off and be like, well, I tried that. That's okay. Or I re- I'm not very good at this, but I really like it. And so then you you keep doing it. Like I have recently been asked to maybe start rollerblading um, with a group of people. And I have tried to rollerblade one time as an adult. And I can tell you, I don't know what happens to the body at this age, but it is not what I was experiencing when I was a kid. Like I was, I could roller skate and not fall down and like do all kinds of things. And I don't know, I hadn't put skates on until recently. And I don't know what happens between childhood and middle age, but something, something happens. And anyway, my point being, I'm probably not going to be very good at that. Like I'm probably going to fall down. I hope I don't break anything. But this willingness to try something that I know I'm probably not going to be great at. And if I don't like it, then that's fine. I don't have to keep doing it. But if I enjoy it, despite the difficulty of it, you know, besides the fact that I'm not great at it and that I keep doing it, that that's an indication that the self-esteem is, is good because allowing myself to try new things and be okay with failing allowing myself to be around people I've never been around and, you know, have conversations and feel confident. That's a sign of this good self-esteem. And it all does go back to those first two chakra systems. So I thought that was very interesting. I had never really thought of it that way. This being comfortable with taking risks and being comfortable with failure and not beating yourself up because you're not good at something and doing it even if you aren't good at it, but you like it. I mean, that was like 
mind-blowing, eye-opening facts for me there. I never thought about it that way. I guess I never thought really what self-esteem really is. So that was definitely, that was new news for me. And I've really taken that to heart and apply that in my life. So yeah, that, that self-esteem is, that can be a tricky booger. So those middle school kiddos that talk about trying new things, that's the age of that for sure. So I don't know, just, I think if you have a kid that's in middle school or you will, if you've got younger kids, just, I think we need to really concentrate on helping them with those first two chakras, those, how are you with boundaries are, you know, checking in with that. And then you know, are they able to feel their emotions, talk about their emotions, understand what makes them happy? Because until those things are solid, they're not going to do well with doing things that are risky. And risky by not bad risky, like making new friends, trying new things. They're going to beat themselves up a lot when they fail. So I think if you see that, it's not just that area, you got to back up got to back up to the root and the sacral. So I know that with, with my middle school kiddo, even though he's my third one and you would think I would have this parenting thing figured out, they are all different. And so I will, now that I know this, I will definitely be watching him with different eyes. So, okay. Um, let's, I also want to talk about this difference between power and empowerment real quick. So I think, and when I think about this, um, this false sense of power. I think about it as like this negative or I don't know negative is the right word, but unhealthy masculine energy. It's this, um, it's, it's this, it comes from aggression and male energy that's balanced and healthy is not aggressive. This is like a, where it's just too much. It's out of balance. And so this false sense of power, that's what it is. It's acting out of aggression, acting out of anger, acting out of jealousy. When, when decisions are being made or actions are being done based on those things, that's a false sense of power because really that's probably coming from a, a solar plexus issue that's deep down. The people who act like that don't have great self-esteem. They don't have it's they they their self-worth is really really tied up in external things and i think they act in those aggressive ways to compensate for how they really feel on the inside which is not real comfortable in their own skin and so rather than work on themselves they just kind of blow up at the world and they just want to run over the top of everybody else and show everybody how powerful they are because on the inside, there's a part of them somewhere that feels weak and incompetent. And they must hide that. And they must never let anybody see that. Rather than work on it and build it up in a healthy way, we're going to hide it. We're going to mask it. We're going to way overdo it. Because nobody can ever find out my secret. Nobody can ever find out that I really don't feel great about myself. So I think that's when you see that. And that's the energy I was talking about earlier in the episode when I was talking about those, the tummies that are kind of big. Yeah, that's what's happening there. I mean, you can feel those things without that physical 
um, occurrence, but that is definitely indicative of that. I feel like overall blanket statement, of course. So also power. And I know I used the word power earlier, but it was more of like a personal power. And really it was more of empowerment, which I will get to in a minute. Power really is an external word. Like it's power exists in the external world as in money, success, and status. Those are all things that are on the outside. Those are not things within you. Those are things that are a result of something that you do. But those are those are external feedback things for you. Like if you have a lot of money, if you have a lot of power, if you have high status in the world, you feel powerful. Those things make you feel powerful. Now, it again, false sense of power. The, none, nothing from the outside can make you feel truly powerful in, in the balanced, healthy way. That's empowerment. And empowerment is a way of being. And it is just, it comes from within. When you are right with yourself, when your energy is balanced and aligned and everything is, you've got good boundaries, you are able to feel your emotions, you are able to take care of yourself and not feel guilty about it, then that's empowering. You are empowered and you will just naturally kind of exude this empowerment outwardly. People will sense it about you. You'll kind of take on those leadership qualities. But it like and it's in a way that you may not even recognize you're doing it. It's just so organically who you are that you don't have to try. You're not trying to be powerful. It's just coming out of you because you are so right with yourself. That's empowerment. And I think it kind of takes some time and experience in life to figure out this empowerment thing. And especially like I was referring to earlier with women, it or with people who have, I guess, maybe struggled with not being in power. So again, I'm going to take this to a an, another life thing. Like if you've had lots and lots of lives where you were not in a position of power, where somebody was exerting their power over you all of the time and you were kind of held down, um, held back and kind of stifled, whether that was because you were a woman or whether it was because you were a minority of some kind in some way, um, whether that was racial or whether it was just status or whatever it was. And I think if either if that's in your ancestry or if that is just other lifetimes of experiencing that over and over again, I think it takes a hot second to understand that empowerment is not power. And so I I think sometimes our first initial instinct is to exert power over other people to show that we are powerful and that we don't need to be told what to do or that we are not to be pushed down or held back anymore. I think uh, the kind of knee-jerk reaction is to go way the other way and be the one overpowering other people. And I think it takes a minute to 
kind of come back to center. And I don't think that's uncommon. I think that anybody who's been held back when they get that, when they decide that they're going to not take it anymore, they want to go the other way. The, the, the pendulum swings all the way the other direction. And I think you kind of have to experience that in some way and then kind of come back to a balanced, healthy center. And that's where you find that empowerment. So it's just, man, it's live and learn, you know, and whether it's you live and learn it all in this lifetime or it takes a while, you know, it's, it doesn't, it, you know, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long it takes. I think everybody figures it out. If not now, they will. And I think just understanding that about people who are that way and not being like, you know, my first thought is, oh my God, they're such an ass or gosh, she's being a bitch. But it's like, really? No, they're just trying to find themselves. There's just something they're trying to figure out how to balance this sense of lack that used to be with empowerment. And they, it just kind of is a mess. It's messy. Being a human's messy. Learning how to like have this balanced energy is messy. And I think we just need to give each other some grace and understanding when we see people who are really kind of going the other way. It's it, that I always think of it as this unhealthy male energy that just wants to be like raw, aggressive all the time. And I'm going to show you how powerful I am. You know, when we see people doing that, especially when we see women doing that, it's like, I see you. I understand why you're that way. Like, I get it. You're trying to find it and you're going to get there. Everybody's going to get there. So it's just part of it. It's just part of, it's part of healing. It's part of learning and growing. And yeah, everybody, everybody goes through it at some point. So, okay, real quick before we wrap this up, let's, let's talk about how you can check in with your solar plexus to kind of determine the health of it. These are some questions that you can ask yourself. Do you feel like you don't deserve better than what you have? Are you thankful for whatever attention and acknowledgement you are given? Do you allow your boundaries to be invaded? Are you easily manipulated? Is your value tied into what you do, not who you are? So that shows up a lot in career. Getting very wrapped up in our job title and all of the importance that comes with that. And that's who we are. But is it? Do you look to others for happiness and fulfillment? remember it's not anybody else's job to make you happy other than yourself that means it's not your partner's job it's not your kid's job it's not your friend's job it's not your co-worker's job it's your job are you codependent and we'll get back to that in a minute are you submissive do you think that if you change or do better that you will get more love and attention so meaning if I could only or if I only can do a b and c then 
I'm lovable. Then I'm worthy of somebody's love and attention. Because if, if that's the mentality we're looking for, that love and acceptance on the outside, and we really got to turn that inward. Because there is nothing that we should have to do or say or be for anybody. You know, it's, there's, you should not, if you feel like you need to change in order to get love, I really encourage you to take a look at that. That's, that's really a red flag for we need to really go within and see what, what do we need to do for ourselves? Are you addicted to sugar? Mm, yeah, I spent most of my life addicted to sugar. So I get that. Are you prone to migraine headaches, stomach issues, and nervous disorders? So that's how it can kind of show up in the physical. Um, I'm sure if you've listened to this podcast since day one, you know that my philosophy is it takes, it happens on the energetic level first, and it takes a long time sometimes to show up physically. So when you start having that sugar addiction, when you have the migraines, the stomach issues, the nervous disorders, there's been a energetic issue in the solar plexus for a long time before those actually kind of start to show up physically. Um, my, I mean, having the sugar addiction, um, definitely in my, well, really in my childhood, but it's for real on into my adulthood. Um, migraine headaches. I know I've talked about that before and you know, yes, some of it was probably due to dehydration, but I think a lot of it was uh, just my solar plexus was a hot mess Um, my self-worth and self-love were not there and I was very hard and critical of myself and that's, it was showing up in the migraines and I will say that I maybe get a migraine. I don't even know when last time was I had a true migraine. Sometimes I'll feel a little headachey, uh, when my cycle, I can tell it's like a hormonal shift in my cycle, but as far as having a migraine, that's like, put me in bed and I have had to just lay still with like a dark room and like not move or I'm going to throw up kind of a deal. I would say it's been probably a year and a half since I've had a migraine like that. So, and that's about the time where I really kind of started to work on all of these things. Um, And I know as a kid, I definitely, or as a teenager, young adult, I had stomach issues for sure. So, um, but yeah, that's how that manifests physically. So check in, check in with those things as well. So let's real quick hop back up to that codependency. I was working with my, my, the lady I work with, um, for energy healing. And we talked about codependency the other day. And this is kind of, I wish I could show you, um, through video, what this looks like, but I'll do my best to describe it in words. So your energy, yourself as a sovereign human, imagine that you are like a circle, a full complete circle with a solid line all the way around it. And that's your little bubble of who you are. That's how energetically we should exist. That is a a balanced, healthy way of being. Now, if you have 
codependency tendencies, if you're codependent with the people in your life, whether it's your spouse, your kids, your friends, your parents, whoever, what happens is that solid circle starts to overlap with someone else's solid circle. And then instead of like a complete solid circle line, you've got some kind of dotted lines where you overlap and your energy is shared. So there's, it's like you kind of hook and you hook onto each other's energy. And then you have this space where you kind of have your own, but part of your circle, but then you have this part of your circle where your circles are overlapping, kind of like a Venn diagram would look. And in that middle part that's overlapping, you're sharing, you're sharing energy. And why, why you are doing that is because within your circle, you have some holes, there's some holes there. And within that other person's circle, they have some holes. And so you're trying to fill your own hole with their energy. You're pulling. You're not using your own. You're pulling from their energy and putting stuff back into your hole to try to fill it. And they're doing the same thing to you. They're reaching into your energy, trying to fill up their holes. And it's just this continuous thing that you do with each other. That's what codependency looks like in like a, if you want to have like a mental image, that's what that looks like. So you're never going to be able to pull the energy from somebody who is healthy and balanced because they're not going to let you. They're going to have a a boundary and you're not going to be able to be codependent with them. You can only be codependent with somebody who also has codependent issues because you find each other. And you feed each other. But what's happening is those holes really are not getting filled. They seem like they are momentarily, but it, it's, it's fake. It's, it's false. It's, it's not really long-term staying. It disappears. The things that you're putting in that hole, they, they disappear. They evaporate, whatever. The only way to fill those holes in your circle are to fill them within your own circle within yourself. And so when I find myself kind of having those codependent tendencies, because I still do, but I think we do, it's natural, it's human. I think it's when we are aware of it and we don't let it actually continue or to, to come to fruition when we can catch it and stop it. Um, that's the goal. I think everybody kind of has times where they want to slip into that. So When I catch myself, I just try to imagine myself as a full, complete bubble. My, you know, with solid boundaries, no dotted lines. I'm not hooking onto anybody else to meet my needs. I can, I can meet all of my own needs within my own little circle. And that's what I try to do. So when I catch myself doing that, like for example, moving my oldest into his dorm this past week. And by the time this airs, it'll be weeks ago that this happened, but as I'm talking right now, it was just this week. My urge to go in and make, make that dorm room set up exactly how I think that it should be set. Like put away all of his things, how I think that it should go. Um, because, and I was wanting to do that because that's what would make me feel good. And I was wanting him to have that same experience and not allowing him to make those choices was telling him, I don't think you can do this. So I caught myself 
And I mean, we, we took up, we unpacked everything and we put them in general areas, but then it's like, okay, all of these kind of bathroom shower items, your snack items, um, your school stuff here, it all is when you are going to have time before class starts, you're going to have some free time. You will have time to work on this and organize it exactly how you want it to be. That was so hard. Everything in my mother being wanted to reach into his circle and make all the things easy for him so that that filled some kind of circle, one of my circles in, my holes of not being a good enough mom or times when I didn't feel like I was taken care of by my parents or whatever it is. Stuff I can't even identify and put my finger on, but I'm guessing those are the things. There were times where I didn't feel like my needs were being met by somebody else. And so I was wanting to prevent him from feeling like that. And in doing that, like I said, for me to set up his entire room was basically, I might as well just said to him, I don't think that you're capable of doing this. And then what does that do to him? So allowing him to kind of have to muddle through this, figure it out. Maybe he'll have to reorganize it a couple of times or maybe he won't and he will not feel great. He will always be kind of searching and looking and feeling like he's living in chaos. There's something to be learned from that too. I cannot prevent every speed bump in his life. And that is so hard as a mom. I want to, I want to make his road smooth. And that would just be doing such a disservice to him. And really pulling back on that this week and just staying in my own circle it was really hard. And I know some of that's just being a mom. And I wouldn't, I mean, not every mom instinct is being codependent. But in this case, it really is. I, I've seen codependency things, especially with him in that way. Because he tends to be kind of disorganized and go through life in a way totally opposite of mine. And so I'm wanting to fix it so that then I don't worry about him. And this, it's really not fair because really it is all about my comfort. Like I don't want to feel like I'm out of control because he's out of control. If that makes sense. When really his being out of control, he's 18 years old. I have given him the tools I have helped him as much as I can. Ultimately, he's got to figure it out. And so to stay in my circle and let him stay in his circle is really hard because it feels good to help somebody else because you feel like, okay, well, everything's good now. And now I feel good. So that's codependency. Those circles, man, you got to you gotta watch those circles. You want to stay in your own and don't bump up against somebody and try to, to feed off of them and let them feed off of you. Um, you're really in the long run going to be happier if, if we can all stay in our own circles. That's, that's the most healthy balance thing. But you know what? Sometimes you're not, sometimes you're going to butt up against somebody else and, and want them to kind of help fill those holes within you. Just be aware of it, watch it, and then try to kind of figure out how you can go about it different the next time, because it's going to happen. I mean, give yourself grace, acknowledge that you at least noticed it this time and and then move on from there. So that's my spiel on codependency. So, okay, how can you move to a healthier, more balanced vibration if, if you do notice that your solar plexus is kind of unbalanced? What, what can you do to kind of help yourself with that? Okay, here, and I ex- excuse the wind. I don't know. It was not blowing 
like this when I first started this. So I hope it's not too annoying with the wind noise. Um, so the first thing is give yourself permission to feel good in your own power and energy. Like tell yourself, this is okay. This is healthy. This is good for me to feel this way. Allow yourself to say no. It's okay to tell people no. It really, really is. It may feel awkward and uncomfortable for a minute, but in the long run, it's going to feel good. I promise. Follow your joy. What makes you happy? What brings joy to your life? Even if it's something really little, follow it. Follow that thing that lights you up. Bring it into your life in the most, the, in, the, in the littlest of ways even. Fully express your gifts and talents. Sit with yourself. You know what those things are. You know what your gifts and talents are. If you've allowed yourself to kind of do the trial and error thing, you know, you know what you're like, yeah, I'm really good at that. Or man, I'm not great at that. That's okay. But I'm going to follow the thing that I'm really, um, I'm really gifted at. And those other things that I enjoy, those can kind of just be, you know, I can still do those, but man, I really shine when I'm really using my gifts and talents. Follow those. And if you're in a, a place in your life, whether it's career or just whatever it is that you're doing in life and you're, and you're not using those, look for ways to either implement them where you are now, because there might be a way to do that. You may not have to change your whole life, but you might be able to like really focus on those things that you are really sh- areas you do shine and bring them into your everyday. It doesn't mean you have to change what you're doing. It might mean that. It might mean that you eventually do. Because I think when we start doing those things where we bring in our gifts and talents, life gives us more of that. And pretty soon we're doing most of our life in alignment with those things. Because like attracts like. Okay. Also, take ownership in your part of a situation. So that's kind of the losing the victim mentality and thinking that people are doing things to you. Like, well, they're mean to me. Or I didn't get to do this because this person did whatever. Really, or we don't get along. Our relationship is not good because they aren't doing whatever. Or they are doing this and that. I think really looking for where your responsibility is in a situation, even if it's something really small, like I should have said no. I should have walked away. Next time when somebody is trying to be that way with me, I don't have to take that and I can remove myself from the situation. I think just taking, instead of sitting in it and being sad and feeling like the victim, I can, I can take responsibility for where I can find the change instead of sitting here and taking it. I think that's super powerful. Also doing something that feels brave or courageous or different than the norm. I think this is really great. We talked about this earlier when I was talking about taking risks in those healthy ways and like trying new things, meeting new people. It feels and set Make sure that you can accomplish these things. I mean, you know, start little and then get bigger because the goal is, is to try something new and to have some success with it. Like you want it to help make you feel better about yourself, not worse. So don't set the bar so high that 
it's it's a huge flop and it makes you feel worse about yourself than you did to begin with pick those little you know things that can be little victories um you know step out small little steps you know there's nothing wrong with that but just look for those times look be open if you can and that's where i say you know if we live in a hectic chaotic world we don't have time to look up and watch for these times where we can practice this where we can try new things and and give ourselves an opportunity to feel success in feeling courageous and empowered. So I think, you know, creating enough space in your life to be able to watch for these opportunities and seek them out too. Another thing you can do is find some affirmations around the solar plexus and around this um, the will and empowerment and self-esteem. There are so many out there. I'm not going to list them, but social media is full of these kinds of things. Um, and if not, Google will always give you some examples of affirmations that would be good for self-esteem and like self-empowerment. So just saying those, and when I say say them, if you can look yourself in the eye in the mirror, whether that's, you know, when you're getting ready in the morning or when you are, you park your car at work and you look in that rear view mirror for a minute or when you get home from whenever, whenever in your day, if you're in the car and you have a second and you can really look yourself in the eye in that mirror or in your mirror at home, say those affirmations to yourself, looking yourself in the eye. And I would suggest saying, if you find like a handful of them, you want to say, them I would say three times each and you can do it multiple times a day you can do it every time you come across a mirror or any time where you just kind of start to feel a little bit like you're kind of sinking back into that um, victim mentality feeling say your say your affirmations even if you can't get in front of a mirror but say them and feel them in your body if you just say them and you don't believe them and you're calling bullshit on yourself that's not going to do anything for you when you say the affirmations, you have to embody the feeling of it. You have to feel that in your body. And that may take some practice. If you're saying them and you're just saying them for a few days and, and you're not really feeling anything, keep saying it. Keep trying that. It may not come real natural that first time. And that's why I say get in front of a mirror because that kind of helps that process a little bit. And it's weird at first. It's uncomfortable. And when it is weird and uncomfortable, that means that you're doing it right. If it feels easy and natural and it's something that you've never done and you know you have issue with this, you're probably not embodying what you're saying. So it should feel uncomfortable at first, for sure. Another thing is release any blocked anger. Try to let that out, whether it's crying or writing or, you know, punching your pillow or screaming or as long as it's not hurting somebody else. Find a way to release that. Um, I What I usually do is I, I have to move my body in some way and I have to talk it out. That's, that's my preferred method. But you may find something else that works better for you. And the last thing I would recommend would be having a self-care practice of some kind. Be nurturing yourself in some way um, a little bit you would be surprised on how much just doing one little thing for yourself can really set the tone. And then the more you do, 
like the more often you do that, that one little thing, then maybe you would have some more space in your body and some more love for yourself to try another thing and then another thing. And then pretty soon your whole day is kind of set up around caring for yourself. And I know that sounds really selfish and like, but there are ways to do it. Um, and it will just become so natural for you to just kind of take care of this part of you. This human part is so hard to be a human. And we need to just, our soul selves, our, our authentic selves that are just that spark of light, they know. That part of us knows how to do it. We've got to listen to that part of ourselves and just allow that part to nurture this human part. It is so hard to be a human. I say that a lot because it's so true. We are, it is, and that's why we come here because it is hard to be human and we can learn a lot and we can grow a lot. So taking care of yourself allows you to kind of get through those things that are those growing moments and those learning moments. Okay, so all of those things will help really kind of raise that vibration and bring balance. So, you know, obviously go through those questions. And if you need to rewind and listen to those several times, really be honest about the answers to those questions that we went through a little bit ago. That's going to tell you a lot about where the work needs to be. And then the things that I just mentioned are ways to kind of support yourself through that. And then additionally, these things also are supportive to the solar plexus. The color yellow, wearing the color yellow, um, being just around, like, I don't know how, you, how else, have something yellow in your environment, at work, on your desk, or whatever, just surrounding yourself with that color is, is something that you can do. Carrying yellow crystals with you, eating easily digested foods, um, jogging, power walking, yoga, uh, martial arts, and even just belly laughing. So watching a funny movie, um, talking with a friend, that, j- and then when you guys just get to rolling and laughing, those things are also very supportive to your solar plexus. Now, these things that I just mentioned here, doing one or two of those things is not going to fix your solar plexus. Those are support for when you dig in emotionally. You've got to dig into the emotional parts You've got to ask the questions, you've got to implement some practices, and then these little things like the crystals and the color and the foods and the activities, those are to kind of further support you. I used to think that I could pick a couple of those little things like, okay, well, I'm going to carry a yellow crystal and um, do yoga and that's going to fix everything. Nope. You've got to dig into the emotional root. Um, these things are just to provide support for you while you are doing that very hard work because it is hard and that's why we don't like to do it and that's why people don't do it and then we don't see people doing this and it's not normalized and that's the whole point of this conversation is to normalize the fact that we carry a lot of emotional crap. It gets stagnant in our body, whether it's from our lifetime this time, whether we're carrying it from other lifetimes, whether it's in our DNA from our ancestors, we have it everybody has it. And it's just part of being human. That's why we're here is to kind of learn to work through this and heal. And then also, you know, because we want to enjoy being a human. So as we can find balance in these areas and learn to take care of ourselves, that opens up our world a lot. 
And then we can really enjoy this human experience a lot more. So with that, I will just leave it there today. I hope this has been helpful. I hope these are episodes that you can listen to more than once if you need to, or you can share with a friend if you know somebody that's kind of going through some things that sound, um, I mean, you know your friends, you know your family. If, if you know somebody that would be open to um, healing in this way, kind of digging in emotionally, please share. You never know. Somebody who you might think might be like, oh my God, that's just a bunch of, that's a bunch of crap. Be a little bit vulnerable with them. Tell them, you know, I've been working through this. I found this helpful. I just want to share it with you. You know, you can never force anything on anybody. I would never recommend that. I don't do that in this podcast. I always say, take what feels good and leave the rest. And I think that's, if you see somebody that you think could benefit from this, same with them. Like, hey, I listened to this. It's helped me. I'm just going to pass it on to you. Take what feels good and leave the rest. That's it. And that's how we can kind of all help each other because, oh, this world's kind of a a crazy, messy place. Um, And we can kind of help get through that if we all kind of do our own work and support each other as we all do our work, I mean, that's going to raise that collective vibe and and help us get through it a lot easier. So, okay, with that, I hope you have all had a chance to get outside in nature today. As you can hear, I am, as usual, outside in nature. The locusts are, um, and the insects are definitely making a lot of noise today. Um, The wind has definitely kind of started to pick up a little bit. It's getting hot, as it does at this time of year. Um, I don't think, I think my dogs have behaved today. I was really kind of worried. I've got three of them out here and they, I guess, have found holes to dig to go keep themselves busy instead of like chasing each other and tackling each other and running into my legs and trying to make me fall down. That's been their new favorite thing to do when we go for walks. Uh, We have a, a puppy that definitely has brought some spunk, some additional spunk to the crew. So Um, anyway, with that, I hope you all are well and until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening today. I love having you join me, even though I'm technically out here, just me and my dogs. It is exciting and heartwarming to know you are out there too, listening, walking, adding in your thoughts as we go. As always, I hope everyone has had a chance to nurture themselves with a little bit of nature today. Mother Earth always has the best medicine.